0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Be a Better Game Master, another podcast episode. If this is your first time tuning in to my YouTube channel, uh, and you're more interested in streamlined, edited, fun, uh, quick advice on being a better game master, uh, this might not be for you. You might want to check out uh, one of the videos I have. Um, This podcast is something that I do, and you know this if you've listened to other podcast episodes on this channel. It's something that I do when I when I'm feeling like I want to talk about something, but I don't really want to make a video, or I don't feel like I, I don't feel like the uh, the stre- my thoughts in this stream of consciousness type of format is good enough for a video. So, otherwise, if this is something that you're interested in, maybe you're driving in your car or. Uh, cleaning your house or whatnot, and you don't mind hearing my dogs in the background or my cat meowing at me, um, or other home sounds, you know, I'm sure I'll burp or something sometime in here. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. Um, then maybe this is for you, if you're interested in that sort of thing. But, but basically, I usually hit this handheld recorder whenever I'm feeling like I want to talk about something, but I don't really know what it is. And... um Today, I feel like I I hate this episode already, and the reason is because I feel like the thing that I do want to talk about that's in my mind is something that if I were cruising YouTube and I saw someone make a video or a podcast uh, about this subject, I don't think I would be interested. (laughs) I think I would skip over this one. Um... But I feel like it's good for me to talk about it because it, not only because a lot of people have asked me about it, but because it helps me keep it in my head, like remember the things that um, I don't know that, uh, that, that 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 kept me in this hobby, that got me into this hobby, and so yeah, that's kind of the subject is I want to talk about why I game and and what where it started. And, I don't know, if you get something out of this, awesome. Otherwise, no worries. I won't hold it against you if you skip over this episode. But I feel like a lot of the creativity in my head stems from my roots in gaming. And um, I just noticed my battery on this uh, handheld device is running low. So there might be a break in uh, in the audio at some point. But that's fine. That's the whole point of this. Uh, either way, no matter what happens in this episode, I want you to post in the comments like the first moment you became a gamer, w- whether that happened around the table with your parents introducing you to the game or a friend or if it happened at school. I know a lot of people, you know, played, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, for example, in the, you know, school cafeterias. Um, that's actually not something I ever did. Um. I was, I was probably 13, you know, this was, you know, I'm about almost 30 now, so this is about 17 years ago, and uh, and I know this, uh, I, this is going to sound strange, but uh, I was 13 when I saw the third edition Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook on the wall at my local comic book store. God, I already want to stop this podcast, because I'm like, this is so boring. Who'd want to know this stuff? But, but I'm not going to, because that's my unwritten rule. You (laughs) will, you know, I'll leave it to you if you want to skip over it. But I saw this book and I didn't even know what role-playing was. Okay. I'm serious. Like I didn't know what Dungeons and Dragons was. I, I'm trying to describe this feeling I had in in my head when I saw the book, but the only thing I can, the only words I can use to describe it is that I knew it's what I wanted. I knew it's what I needed in my life when I saw it. And just looking at it, I kind of knew it had something to do with playing pretend, and that was such a huge part of my childhood. Still is, uh, even to my in my adult life, even outside of tabletop gaming. Um I I played pretend so much as a kid. Like that was my favorite thing. Um <clears throat> and there were times where I would like we had trampolines in our backyard and I would throw on headphones, and I would jump on the tramp, trampoline and just imagine, I don't know, scenarios that I was in where I would triumph and these exercises and creativity I knew somehow were inside of this book. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's unfair to say I didn't know what role-playing was because at the time I sort of knew already. I actually, I knew, so that was kind of a blatant lie. But I I don't remember ever thinking, oh, it's a role-playing book when I picked up the book because it was earlier, actually, when I was in eighth grade, uh, before high school, when I encountered my first role-playing game, which was uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse, and we never played the game, (laughs) but we made characters. And um, I remember I was kind of obsessed with Swedish, uh, the Swedish language and just Sweden in general at the time, and uh, we had a Swedish foreign exchange student, uh, and I just thought it was so cool. So, you know, I made my werewolf Swedish, and he had a Swedish name, and we never played ever. I didn't ever. I was never introduced to in the mechanics, but I named him. I think I filled out a character sheet, but but I knew at that moment I was like, oh, this is rad. This is so dope. I am going to be doing this <laughs> like forever. You know, fast forward now to when I find that third edition player's handbook. <clears throat> and I opened it up, and I remember seeing Lita the Rogue. You remember when d and I don't know if they still do this, actually. I probably should know, but because I have the player's handbook for fifth edition now. And I've looked into it a lot. But I remember when they used to name their characters, right? Litta the Rogue. I can't remember any of the other names, but I just thought it was so cool. I was like, oh my gosh, she's a half-elf. I want to play a half-elf. I love the idea of the, the ostracized figure in role-playing games. and you know, the, the person that's not accepted by anybody. Maybe that's cliche or emo of me, but uh, it was as part of my younger life, you know I, I didn't have parents that played role-playing games. Um, I still don't. In fact, you know, my mother knows what I'm doing with this channel, and she knows that, you know a lot of people are interested. And she knows about Absolute Tabletop, the company I'm now a part of with uh, Matt, uh, Tim, and James from A Fistful of Dice and Tabletop Terrors, respectively. And, you know, whenever I say, oh, I'm going to game, you know, she, she still gives me that, that look like, oh, you're still doing that, that sort of thing. And that's kind of the, the environment I grew up in. You know, I was never a star at anything. I was always kind of second best at everything, kind of a, a bard, a jack of all trades. And so I liked the idea of playing that person, that ostracized character, uh, the person that has two sides of them, you know, the side that is orderly and, you know, conservative and, you know, raised by a Marine dad and uh, the side that uh, on the opposite that is creative and excited about pretending and imagining and you know after a while you know you kind of lose you lose track of which part is you and which part is your outlet and and I love the idea of playing with that you know I'm, I'm a big fan of playing characters that represent some sort of real part of me uh, in the Provokers game that a lot of people have watched. If you haven't, I recommend it just because I love Matt's GMing, and I feel like we tell a really cool story. Uh, but my character, uh, Dice, is absolutely based on real-life experiences. And I and it makes it... You know, people say... Well, if, if you've never heard this advice, then I'll say it. I say, uh, run what you know or play what you know. You know, for example... Um, If you live in, you know, the Pacific Northwest, then you're familiar with how dense a forest can actually be. And that will affect your games. If you're running a game, you know, it won't be like, well, we're traveling through the forest. No, 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 you're fighting your way through the forest because this forest is so dense. If you live in the desert, you know what it's like to be hot, sweaty, sweaty, and a mile from home without any water and you're just so thirsty and you can't wait to get to your home so you can just drink straight from the hose, you know, and that's, both of those scenarios are part of my life, uh, both of those locations in the United States, and so, you know, running what you know is you'll, you'll run a game in those two locations, for example, you know, if you're from this desert area, you'll run a game that's so realistic because, you know it. You've experienced it. Same goes when you're playing a character. You know, if you have experienced loss in your life. And you can find some way to put that in your game in a way that's, you know, maybe not exactly like the thing you experienced. But more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? More, more of a parallel, you know. Something you can relate to, but something that's a little bit different so it still leaves room for exploration you're going to kill it. You're going to be, you're going to have a blast. Um, and that's the point. And I feel like that's what made playing dice so fun for me. And so, so much of a life experience. Um, you know, it's, I feel like that ultimately is why I game, you know, it's not for this escape. A lot of people say, well, I game, you know, to escape reality. and I understand that. Right you get home from a job, working nine to five, maybe eight to five, oftentimes sitting in front of a screen all day. And it's just like, I just want to play, you know, I just want to play for me. You know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home and I'm lucky enough to, you know, have a creative outlet in my life to where if I'm feeling creative, I can be creative. If I'm feeling uh, structured, I can, you know, do something structured. Yeah. That's, these are bad examples, but um, the I feel like the reason I play is to explore. And maybe even subconsciously. I like to explore who I am. Because I'm still in that same boat I was in when I was a kid. You know, there's a part of me that's organized and structured and, you know, I'm a business owner and I uh, like to have a rhythm and a rhyme to everything. It's very interesting me saying that because two years ago, I'd be like that. No, you're never going to be like that. It's just something that happened in my brain quite recently. Um, once I started getting healthy and, uh, uh, making some you know, like changes, you know, in my life. Um, but there's also this part of me that's super, super creative and, and, and oftentimes I don't want to get, make this get emo or sappy or whatever, but, but sad, you know, uh, especially when it comes to you know, things like politics or, uh, things like, you know, just tragedies in, in, in reality when it comes to, you know, just things I've experienced in my life, which don't get me wrong is a cakewalk when compared to many, many other lives. So, you know, I'm not saying that I've had it so hard. I've not, I've, I haven't. Um, but I, but I do know what it's like to kind of feel down and, and, and my outlet for that is my music. And I'm still, what I meant is I'm still in that same boat where I'm not sure which is me, the fun, energetic, happy video making Barker that loves to edit and just have a, have a blast, energy, fun, or the part of me that would rather get in a recording studio and record a song, um, that's not happy because believe it or not, I've never recorded a happy song in my entire life. I I can't do it. Um, (laughs) at least I can't do it well. Um, but I'm not sure which is me. And which is my outlet? And so we'll assume that gaming is my outlet. Let's just assume that. Or maybe they're both me. I don't know. I don't want to get into a philosophical thing. Although, you know, if you're still listening to this right now, you probably wouldn't care. Um, But exploration, I feel like, is why I game. I want to explore worlds. I want to create a scenario that puts characters players through something that i am interested in seeing the outcome of i want to whether that whether that thing is fun maybe i'm exploring something fun or maybe i'm exploring something creepy or scary or sad or just tragic i want to see how the players react and uh, same thing when I'm a player I want to see how I react I want to see how the GM reacts when I put forth an idea that that maybe perhaps they didn't see coming and so I remember when I to bring it back I remember when I saw Lid of the Rogue and I saw that the half elf and what what made a half elf a, a, a true half elf I remember that 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 uh that separation from society right you know the elves hate him cuz They're part human, and the humans hate them because they're part elf, and, you know, I wanted to explore that, and then I realized my buddy, Mike, (laughs) my name is also Michael, by the way, but uh, Barker's my last name, and I've gone by Barker for probably almost my entire life in some way, uh, shape, or form, Um, but my buddy Mike told me, yeah, my my parents play D&D, and d uh, and this was after I got that third edition, and you know we started playing and and uh, I started playing with his family and that was a blast and and I really enjoyed the the i could do anything aspect of playing, but what I really wanted to do was take these concepts and put them into action. I wanted to create worlds I wanted to create these scenarios and uh, I think well, Saving Private Ryan had just come out, and you know my my grandfather, for a little bit of family history, he he served in the Pacific Theater of World War II, uh, same with all of my uncles on my dad's side, just pretty much everybody. you know I say uncles, I mean grand uncles, you know and uh And so I knew a lot about the Pacific Theater. I did not know too much about Europe. I mean, I knew the the uh, the timeline. Of how things changed over there but but when it came to the Pacific theater I knew very specific names of islands like Guadalcanal or Okinawa or Iwo Jima the one that everyone knows or Tarawa you know stuff like that and I wanted to put my friend Mike I wanted to give him a rifle right in this case would be I think an M1 Grand Um, my history is a little rough now and I wanted I wanted to put him on those islands See how he acted, you know, see, see him fight in these combats. And I was just a terrible game master. I was so bad. You know, I, 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 I did, ma- I mean, mass combat is what brought me into the game. I love mass combat, right? But I was the type of game master that loved it so much but didn't know how to implement it. So I'd put 50 enemies on the other side and I'd, I'd make m- my players shoot them all. And about halfway through, it would just get boring and then we'd kind of just stop and I'd go on to something else. And now I, I feel like I have a, a better grasp at it. But but at the time, everybody <laughs> everybody has been a bad game master. The trick is realizing it and changing yourself. So often a lot of people, you know, this podcast is going all over the place. So often people will say, you know, what's wrong with my game? I just can't get my players to take it seriously. Or I can't get my players to, you know play the type of game I want to play and and so often the change doesn't happen with the players but so often it needs to happen with the game master themselves and and I'll tell you right now I have told a lot of people you know on my YouTube channel and the in the RPG community as a whole on Facebook uh, that that I used to be a terrible game master <clears throat> and I still think right now that there are things that I need to improve on I'm I'm working on improving during this Winds of Cercelein game that I'm running now. But uh, I'm going to tell you the PTSD moment of my life. <laughs> not to, you know, I, 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 I say PTSD. I obviously do not mean PTSD. But it's the thing that happened when I was a game master that really showed me that my wake-up moment that, oh, man, I really got to change the way I do things. And partially to blame is 4th edition D&D, but but at the same time, I don't want to be like, hey, let's jump on the 4th edition hate bandwagon because one of the best campaigns I've ever run, maybe the best campaign I've ever run was run with 4th edition books on the table. This thing that happened was my fault, 99%. Um, 4th edition D&D, if you're not aware, was very similar to a massive multiplayer online role-playing game where, kind of like World of Warcraft... And they weren't even shy about marketing that. <laughs> they said, "Hey, you play World of Warcraft? You'll love D and D Fourth Edition." Um, every character had abilities that kind of worked like a World of Warcraft ability, where you know you can cast this once per encounter, you can cast this once per turn. You know, you, can, you know, and you have these, the basically these, like this is this ability is just swinging an axe at an enemy, but you it, it's given a cool name like Swift Blow, something like that. And they have printable cards that you print out that have your character's abilities on them. So a lot of people would play their game with these ability cards in front of them. And we had a player named Corey. Great guy. Great, creative, awesome dude. And he, I remember specifically there, there was a, a fight in a forest. I can't really remember what they were fighting. But I, but I liked the idea that there was jungle everywhere and they were having to, you know, there were vines and stuff. And this is his first session, Corey's first session of a role-playing game ever. And he had the creative fire in his eyes. And I I asked him, I got to him in the in the initiative order, and I said, hey, what do you do against these enemies? And he just got so excited. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my rapier out or his sword or his bow. I can't remember what weapon he had. And I'm going to cut a vine and... I'm going to swing down and land on top of one of the enemies. And once I hit him, once I land on top of him, I'm going to strike my sword downward and stab him into the ground. And I'm like, that's such a cool thing. What card do you play? What action do you take? See the problem there? And he looked down. He said, oh, action, card. And he looked down at his cards. And he said, oh, yeah, well, uh, I think this one would be good. And he put it forward. And I said, all right, cool. Roll. And he rolled and he succeeded. And, and he pinned the guy to the ground with his sword. And God, it was so cool. And the next turn, I asked him, okay, what do you do, Corey? And he said, I'm going to do this action again. And he played his card. And I just realized at that moment, that creative fire was gone. To him, this was a role-playing game, (laughs) playing cards. And I was just thinking, oh, man. What What a waste. What a bummer. What have I done? And that's why I think, especially when you're Running a game for new players. Put the dice aside. Really show them what the point is. And I, I you know, again, a lot of people will blame 4th Edition for this. But, but after that moment, you know, I really didn't, I put more emphasis on the story. You know, I didn't take away the power cards or anything like that. But I, I put so much emphasis on the story that the power cards were just kind of a sidebar to what was happening. You know, ooh, it's a combat encounter. All right, well, we'll play a little cards a little bit. But, you know, the rest of it is going to be story-driven. And even the combat encounters are story-driven. But, you know, that moment for me with Corey was like a wake-up moment. It was like a, what are you doing? Come on, this isn't fun. You know, and and even if it's fun, this isn't what you're looking for. This isn't why you play role-playing games. And so I try very hard now to put the mechanics of the game as secondary to the story. And, you know, a lot of people out there will throw a tomato at me for saying that. Not necessarily. I I don't give you enough credit. A lot of people are very interested in the rules of the game. And I don't think that's a bad thing uh, to be interested in that. Um, Excuse me. Just doing some household cleanup while I'm podcasting. I don't think it's a bad thing to be interested in rules because, you know, a lot of people, that's how they decide what game is fun for them. You know, what game system, what mechanics help them to run the game they want or help them to explore like I want to, or escape like a, a lot of people, you know, play role playing games to do. And so rules are important. I get that. And I think that, um, a lot of groups have fun, a lot of fun playing very strictly to the rules, almost like a, like a chain mail, you know, first edition d and type of uh, board game, war game almost, which might not be giving it enough credit, uh, as opposed to, you know, more theater of the mind, end quote, type of um, imagine it, you know, forget the dice, put them aside, you know, but that's the, that's the thing that drives me, you know, I enjoy the, the telling of stories, and I've not at all perfected that, but, you know, I think that's why I play games. I feel like, you know, you've waited 25 minutes watching me just sift through memories. And and, and that's the point that I, I think I'm getting to. Is that that's why I play games, because I love stories. From when I was a kid playing pretend, jumping on the trampoline, imagining stories. Pretending that I was, you know, in a situation where I would triumph and, and that... That to me is why I play games. It's to create an adventure. And that's just an ancient, ancient, primitive, prehistoric type of thinking for a human being is to tell a story. And and what story are you going to tell? You know, if you're in it to escape or if you're in it to explore... Either way, you're telling this story. And, and my advice would be to make the story count. Make the story matter. Because as I've just kind of realized, it's just something that seems to be ingrained in our heads. <clears throat> Tales, fiction, or or exaggerated nonfiction, right? Um, and so it's got to be existent in the players' heads too. And you can tell a great story with, while using very firm mechanics, you know? How do you do that? You, you give the, one of the enemies a name. That's an example. You've already created a story because now the, you know, this orc who's named, you know, Susie, terrible name, <laughs> sorry, uh, but now the players know, oh man, when I kill this orc, you know, she's going to have a story and maybe she has a letter in her pocket. From her, you know, designated matey. From the uh, from the tribe, you know, and, and now you know she's after the player's killer. She's dead. That's a that's story you can follow the mechanics while while still introducing that level of storytelling. And and I think I think ultimately for me at least the story matters more than anything because without story. Without telling tales, without pretending that certain things exist or certain things are happening, I don't know who I am. I can't imagine who that person is. And it's just such an integral part of my life that I want you to experience it. And I want you to try this. I want you to do something I just briefly mentioned earlier in this episode. I want you to play one game, you know. Maybe only two to three hours long. And I want you to put aside the dice. I don't want you to make one die roll. Instead, what I want you to do is run a narrative game. Now, this, this might be terrible, but you should still do it to see how you feel about it. Because on one hand of the spectrum is ultimate rules, ultimate mechanics. And a lot of people play on that side or at least have played on that side. Not a lot of people have played on the other side of the spectrum, which is no mechanics, all sitting around the table. Oh, you want to attack the orc? Okay, tell me what happens. Do you succeed? Do you fail? Do you kill the orc? Do you just wound the orc? Do you, well, you know, what, how, how, do, what do you, how do you hit the orc? Where do you hit the orc? Without rolling any dice, just tell me what happens. And then, you know, a lot of people think, well, my characters are just going to hit everything. Well, that's fine. Let them. Let them succeed over and over and over again. That way, you will learn a few things. The first thing you'll learn is who your players are and what they like to do. Do they like to succeed? Do they like to succeed at everything? Or do they like to occasionally fail and tell a story about how they fail and fall down and scramble for their sword, but the enemy steps on the sword so they can't pick it up. So they got a sweep kick under the enemy and the enemy's trip down and they grab the enemy's sword and then they kill the enemy. And it's, it's an amazing story that started with failure. This will show you who the players are and what they're looking for in a game. It'll also show you who you are. It'll show you your comfort level when it comes to, you know, deciding to run an RPG. Um, what level of narration, what level of mechanics are you interested in? And how cool are you with saying, with, with saying tell me if you succeed to the player's? How cool are you with letting the players take control a little bit of your game? Of your story? Second thing I want you to try to do is exactly that. Ask the players what they see. Okay, we open the door. We enter the room. Okay, what do you guys see in there? Wait, what? What do we see? You, you tell us. No, 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 no. For now, I want the players to tell me what you see. You know what? You, you find a, a strange inscription carved into the wall. What does it say, players? do that. That's fun. You know, and that might not be for you, but you should do it because what's the worst that happens? You play for two hours and you find that you don't really enjoy the narrative side of the game. I mean, whoop de doo You've had an experience. You've had some fun. Definitely have fun with it. And then you learned a lot about your group and yourself and maybe part of what you might consider doing to be a better game master. So I think that's it. And I think that um, I love these podcasts. I love being able to, to have this just filter for me to speak into and uh, without having to worry about editing or topic or making sure I have something to say. Uh, because it, it tends to, I tend to realize that I, like you, always have something to say. I just need to start speaking in order to get to that point. And maybe the same is true with stories. You just got to start telling it. And then eventually it'll start telling itself.